Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. On today, we are continuing our series on uh, blockchain transactive energy and energy security for uh, deliver, uh, for IEEE and energy delivery systems. Uh, today, we have some, some great guests to hear. Um, uh, Sri Nikhil Gupta Gorsetti uh, and James Kempt. So, got your name. I hopefully got it right there, Sri. Um, Sri, as a, a background, he worked for PNNL for several years, ran several of the uh, ICS projects with uh, energy systems and also using blockchain distributed ledger for several of them. A master's in engineering, PhD in, in, in engineering sciences. Um, and currently the principal security engineer at Resilience, a uh, new role, which we can talk about a little bit, but uh, he sounds excited to, to kind of move into that. Uh, James Kemp, uh, PhD, University of Arizona, systems engineering uh, staff at UC Santa Cruz, uh, currently working with his own company, Kemp and Associates, uh, but lots of background in 30 plus years, architecture, internet architecture board, standards for mobile computing, software-defined networking and latest in blockchain and some developments there. Um, thank you both for joining today. Uh, we'll kind of let each of you one at a time give a little bit about yourself, your background. Shri, I'll let you kind of begin here. Thanks, Chris, and uh, very happy to be here. Um, I'll just keep it super short so uh, we can squeeze all of our fun discussions into this. Uh, I've been working or at least involved in some kind of blockchain-related activity uh, since around 2017 timeframe, uh, started as a very small exploratory effort that led into a, a number of Department of Energy funded projects. Uh, in fact, I was part of the first DOE funded blockchain mixed with cybersecurity project for, uh, uh, for uh, energy delivery systems or utility systems in general. And then since then, uh, I've been involved in uh, uh, transactive energy related applications, supply chain security related applications, and uh, I'll talk more about some of the some of the work that was done and that's going on right now uh, in this space. Uh, I think I started working with IEEE back in 2018 timeframe. Uh, like James was saying, that you know it's <laughs> this two years is it's it's a little hard to kind of paint the timeframe with when things happened in the past, uh, but. Uh, but yeah, I, and we're doing a lot of really interesting things in IEEE and moving moving the needle, uh, moving moving things ahead forward. So so yeah, that's about me. Yeah, James, yourself, give us some details. Right. So um, I actually um, did a lot of cons I did some pro bono consulting at Powerhouse, which is um, incubator for renewable um, uh, renewable energy. Um, they they closed and re uh, and pivoted, and now they're doing mainly. Um, BC work, and also um, referring the large companies to um, to startups. They have a big, a, a couple of thousand uh, database of startups. Um, 
And it's a large company wants to partner with a startup. Um, but um, I've also, I mean, based on that, I, I, I have a long-term interest in renewable energy. Um, I put my first solar PV system in my house in 2004 when it was really expensive. And um, I put another one in 2010, a larger one, and um, a third one, uh, and I took the old one off. And I put another uh, one just this year, and it's been amazing how the so, um, the amount of power you can get out of the same amount of area has increased and the cost has dropped. Um, so, and I also have a, a home battery and I've completely decarbonized my house with, with the exception of a stove. Uh, so the carbon footprint has gone down by a factor of 10 over the last 20 years. Um, so that's basically, you know, kind of my, my, my interest in renewables. And it seems to me that blockchain but through its distributed nature is really the right solution for writing um, the kinds of charging, billing, and service delivery systems that um, that are involved with renewables, especially with DER renewables, and um, that's why I've got I got interested in it. Um, and I build a service delivery um, framework for Ericsson uh, for cloud computing, uh, which was for typical SaaS applications in um, 2016 to 2018, and um, and um, when I was working at Ericsson, and um, then um, recently, I mean, I, I've, start, I've um, uh, started working for myself and uh, teaching at UC Santa Cruz and working with IEEE since around 2019-2020 with the BCT initiative uh, on trying to, um, to get uh, blockchain uh, into the uh, energy delivery system. So that's where I'm coming from. It's great, great to have you both on. We're going to take a break here from our sponsors. We'll be right back to talk about today's topic about fielded blockchain energy demonstrations and things that are going on right now. Be right back. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today with Sri and James uh, from the IEEE blockchain uh, group and uh, working with standards, working with applications, working with for demonstrations. But today we're going to talk about things that are going on right now that uh, are kind of touching at the global level or it, it, uh, the international level with um, with with the blockchain, uh, IEEE blockchain standards and blockchain initiative. Um, so if we come down to, uh, you know, what things are going on, Sri, I'll let you start. Um, you worked at PNNL, a couple of uh, initiatives in blockchain. Tell us about where where that's been and what you've, you've been working on there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the stories that I'm going to share today um, regarding blockchain and uh, its mix with uh, energy systems and cybersecurity were all part of my past life. Because as Chris mentioned, I'm I'm at a new company and uh, doing uh, doing addressing trying addressing a lot of interesting things in the ICS security side. But when I was uh, at PNNL, um, 
we were doing a lot of interesting things. Uh, we started with uh, exploring what the technology actually uh, was, or what it meant for energy systems in general. Like what kind of value does it bring? Does it actually bring any value or what aspects of blockchain uh, may be useful at you know, different aspects of, of, uh, of power and energy use cases? So, uh, so at a very high level, uh, uh, we, we, we had a project that was dealing with um, making use of blockchain's capability of, uh, of integrity maintenance you know, through hashing and et cetera. Uh, can we, could we use that uh, in securing the data in transit and data at rest, like the data that is uh, exchanged between control centers and substations and data that is being stored at historians? So that was, the, that was a very interesting uh, blockchain-based uh, cybersecurity-related use case that was explored. Uh, then um, the research continued to evolve into Let's uh, take, looking at... Just wanted yeah. to see if we could unpack that one a little bit. Can you explain yeah. the cybersecurity aspect of it? How did blockchain, did you put information on the blockchain to make sure it was secured? Or did you just do the verification blockchain? Just curious some more details since cybersecurity is kind of our audience's big focus. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll try to recall because it's been a few years since the project uh, ended. Uh, but if anyone is interested, there are a lot of really good reports on the work that was done in at osti.gov. They are free to access DOE, PNNL reports. So um, the work, it was very much related to if you have a, a data point that is going from a control center to a substation. Now, uh, that is that is of course categorized as data, data in transit. So what we were doing was we used Voltron. This was another technology that was uh, developed at PNNL. Uh, and some of these systems that we have at this control center substation level don't always, may not always have the capability to directly become the blockchain nodes themselves. So what we used was we used this Voltron, which is a which is a which is a platform where you can write control agents that can talk to these systems. <clears throat> so Voltron agents can be peripheral to, to these energy delivery systems. So what we did, we, we worked with a private blockchain, which have, it's based a proof of authority, consensus-based blockchain, and deployed the, uh, the agent through the Voltron and connected to these different systems. So when these systems are talking to each other, their direct communications are not interrupted. So it's not like a bump in the wire solution. But instead, uh, these agents are constantly listening to both sides of the system. Now, these agents are connected to, to, the, to the private permission blockchain. So for every data record that is that has been exchanged, these agents could verify if the, if, the, if the packet was tampered with, if it was corrupted, if it was sent by the intended uh, uh, entity, if it was meant to be sent, and if the contents are uh, you know, accurate. Now the accuracy part is more towards the integrity side of things, to be honest, uh, you know, checking the hash of the uh, hash of the packet and so on. So we were able to flag any of such anomalies because the in, the, in that the interesting use case was since the comms itself, comms themselves was not interrupted, it was more along the lines of flagging it uh, pretty much close to immediately a near real time that, hey, this was a corrupted or unintended packet. And at the same time, on the data rest part, I think we are all familiar with the Ukraine attack where the historians were wiped out and there was no way to kind of trace back to the logs and things like that. So what we were working on was, all right, let's have, let's say we have utility historians. Now, can we make a secure copy of this of of the of this uh, 
of these records using the DLT distributed ledger uh, capability. And we were, and could we use smart contracts to write logic or some code that can automatically trigger periodically to check, to compare, to calculate the hashes or recompute the hashes and check for the integrity of these records. So that way, if the base historian is uh, corrupted or if it is tampered with, the the software front end that was actually created that that in the background runs a smart contract would actually show you the flags that these records or this ha this hashes don't match based on what we have in the historical ledger versus what was recorded in the historian. So that gives a sense of immediate uh, alerts to the operator or uh, the utility uh, entity that something's going on here. So those are the two main use cases we worked at from a security point of view. Interesting. Very interesting. Go on with your other ones. I didn't want to, that, that was a good sidebar. <laughs> I love that explanation though. Yeah, no problem. So then, uh, uh, then we, we spent a lot of, we, uh, uh, I spent a lot of time at PNL working on, uh, on transactive related applications. I mean, uh, that's where uh, we were looking at all right, before building this blockchain-based yet another energy market uh, algorithm, let's take a step back, right? What are the building blocks? What are the, what are the components fundamentally that we need to address, we need to build, that will contribute towards blockchain-based energy markets? Because mm -hmm. the goal of the research, in fact, this research is still going on at PNNL. So if anyone is interested, please reach out to folks at, if you have contacts at PNNL or just reach out to me, I can get you in touch with the people at uh, PNNL that is continuing this work right now. Uh, so that was, that was very much related to uh, figuring out what are the fundamental blocks because there are factors such as scalability, interoperability, security. If you don't address these, dreaming about re large scale realistic pilots can be very hard. Right, we gotta address these fundamental aspects of it. So the goal of that—that that is, in fact, the goal of that ongoing research has been always to build those sequence diagrams. You know, using UML diagrams or using uh, software templates, and kind of coming up with with uh, with artifacts that any uh, anyone can use. Like if we, if someone wants to you build an energy market, they would be able to build upon it mm -hmm. or use those pieces. And if 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 entity A and independent entity B build two different solutions, and if they both use the same architecture, they would be interoperable because they are fundamentally using the same building blocks. And uh, in fact, some of the discussions are also ongoing in the in the IEEE P twenty four eighteen dot five standards working group, which is which is uh, another entity that I'm actively. I think all of us are actively involved in, uh, where we are also looking at okay. There's a lot of really good research that's going on, right? Uh, PNNL, NREL, NETL, bunch of labs. Uh, because there's another project called Blossom that is a five laboratory consortium project uh, where uh, NETL, NREL, AIMS, Slack, and PNNL are all working together in uh, developing a unified testing platform, uh, almost like a playground mechanism where uh, you know, researchers and engineers and utility operators or whoever wants to play with blockchain, they can bring their large-scale feeder uh, models and test out their theory before they invest money into hardware. Because so far, there are certain limitations in terms of working with blockchain that you gotta, you got to use hardware, you got to have certain type of hardware, well, certain number of systems to actually plug into the blockchain network and so on. So what this project uh, is building 
is a simulation platform, fully simulated platform where you can have hundreds of uh, feeder nodes, uh, large feeder or small feeder, whatever, then you can actually use real blockchain to test out your use cases. Then you don't ever have to deploy hardware unless you want to. Interesting. And they're also running some interesting experiments where they're combining simulators with hardware. So Interesting. Well, let's take a break here, hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back in a minute to kind of continue this line of thought. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. Uh, talking with James and Sri about uh, fielded blockchain energy demonstrations and projects. Sri, before the break, you were talking about uh, some some interesting uh, demos projects going on at uh, Pacific Northwest National Lab. Uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity to finish that up and and talk about you know briefly field applications or things that you know companies might be connecting with there uh, in regards to these. Yeah, absolutely. Just to summarize all of the fun discussions. So a uh, lot of the national labs, uh, you know, they're looking at uh, let's 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 address the the R and D or research and development or scientific questions that that can be useful towards pilots and demonstrations as we move towards the future. So uh, I think uh, you know there's a lot of uh, knowledge that is being published out there. From from PNNL, Enrel, and other labs, so it would be it would be I think it would be very useful for you know organizations that are interested in blockchain style or blockchain related demonstrations and pilots to kind of take a look at these, mm -hmm. uh, you know, reach out to these national labs, work with them, and at the same time, like IEEE is doing some amazing things. Like for example, recently, Chris, uh, you're part of this paper that we did a, a paper on uh, standardization for the DLT stack, cybersecurity stack. That was a that was a one year plus collaboration between eleven different organizations from four countries. That's mm -hmm. a that's a huge document. So uh, anyone that is interested in pilots and realistic use cases, just you know reach out to IEEE P twenty four eighteen dot five. Reach out to these national labs and see what kind of work they have and see if that will help you give you a head start. Right. So that that's where I'll pause. Definitely. So kind of over to James, you, you have a bigger breadth or breadth on the EU, Australia, some other projects going on. Talk to us about what might be the rest of the world doing here. Right. Uh, thanks, Chris. Um, so one problem in the U.S. is that um, uh, like in 2015, 2016, uh, LO3 Energy did a pilot on peer-to-peer -peer energy trading, and um, it got a lot of, there was a lot of press. I mean, people were saying that, oh, you know, this is a future of um, you know, energy delivery. Unfortunately, peer-to-peer <laughs> um, -peer energy trading is illegal in most of the U.S., with the exception of Texas, because um, the, the law in the U.S. requires that you buy your energy from um, a monopoly um, distribution system operator. Um, and probably that's not going to change. I think it might change around the edges, but it's not going to change much 
uh, I think, in the future. Now, that, that said, there's no reason why you can't use blockchain for um, setting up a market and have the utility run it and then trade in the market They're using double auction. Um, in fact, PNNL actually had a pilot of that, which they did a couple of years ago, which they published a paper on, which was quite good. Um, the problem is most energy professionals saw the hype around the LO3 energies, and they believe that the only use for blockchain and energy is peer-to-peer -peer energy trading. Now, it can be used for that, but I think there are others. Um, there's one... Um, there's one pilot that I know of that's going on from Electro, which is a municipal utility in Ontario. Um, they ran a three-month pilot over the last three months, um, and they're now going to phase two um, when they're going to build that out a little bit. Um, and um, But most of the action in terms of blockchain has been in elsewhere <laughs> in energy. Um, and um, uh, there's a company called WePower, which is in Lithuania, and they do... Um, they don't do um, transactive energy per se. They do corporate um, uh, power purchase contracts on the blockchain. Now, there's other ways to do that through a centralized mechanism, but they have um, they particularly specialize in smaller companies that want to do that. Um, so you can get scale out of the blockchain and be able to um, uh, thereby um, uh, let companies buy uh, power have a power purchase agreement that more uh, reduce costs and also. Um, if they, if it turns out that they want to sell those, they can put them out on the blockchain and sell them to somebody else. Um, the others, um, basically, the two big ones are um, uh, the Power Ledger in Australia uh, and um, Energy Web Foundation in, um, in well, everywhere actually. <laughs> um, but Power Ledger. Um, so one of the criticisms pe uh, uh, people have of Power Ledger is that um, they use Ethereum and um, Ethereum is known, I mean, the Ethereum version one uh, uses um, proof of stake, which is enormously consumes a lot of power. So, okay, you're trying to do a um, renewable energy uh, carbon reduction platform, and most of your, you know, most of the Ethereum uh, Bitcoin miner, you know, Ethereum miners, Ether miners are on um, carbon based energy. So, so what's it? So, but recently they, um, I think uh, last summer they moved to Solana, which has proof of stake. Uh, proof of stake is doesn't have nearly the carbon footprint of uh, proof of work, uh, and uh, so so that's been and that's been quite good. But they they also have a rec, um, basically a rec, a rec trading. They have a rec trading system. So their primary thing is for renewable energy credits. That's their primary business. And they also have a couple of others. Um, one of them is a microgrid um, uh, uh, platform, which is deployed with mostly in Australia and South Asia. Um, one of the problems with um, uh, Power Ledger and um, Energy Web Foundation, and also with WePower, though they're not quite as big as the other two, is that early on, around 2017 or so. Um, they they so they put out tokens in the um, they they did an initial token offering, which is how they funded their initial startup costs. Um, and um, the token offerings were not done in accordance with SEC regulations. So that again, it's a regulatory problem. That means that you can't actually buy the token in the U.S. Um, this means that it's, it's since a lot of their um, uh, a lot of their products are based on using these uh, publicly tradable tokens. Um, that makes it not possible to use them in, in the U.S. and in North America in general. Um, they, uh, Power Ledger also has uh, its own private token, which it doesn't trade um, 
on, a, on a, uh, an open exchange, which they use for some of their products, which is um, a little bit less of a problem. Um, now, um, as far as Energy Web Foundation goes, Energy Web Foundation is actually not a, um, it's a nonprofit. Um, it was founded by um, um, the um, um, Colorado, um, not the Renewable Energy Lab, but um, the nonprofit in Colorado, whose name escapes me right now, um, but founded by Amory Levins. Um, and um, they, um, uh, they, they, they have, they're mainly, they're located in, in Switzerland, in Zug, and um, they, uh, they have a stack uh, which is basically open source. So all of their software is open source. Um, they come in and they'll help you build something. Um, they recently, at the beginning of September, they announced a, a project in um, Australia, which is, it's huge. Um, it's a thousand households. Um, it's uh, being run by AEMO, uh, which is the Australian Australian um, uh, uh, TSO, tra uh, the Transaction System Operator, and a bunch of utilities. And so the, the basic idea here is to um, to actually uh, show that you can get um, you can use blockchain to do um, market balancing between the transaction and the distribution grid. Um, other companies that are involved in this are Energy, well, Energy Web, and then Pixis, which I don't know. It's probably a small. Uh, Microsoft um, uh, is also involved. Um, there's um, uh, there's a couple of uh, DSOs that are involved. Um, the interesting thing about Australia is that in Queensland, for example, 40% of the power comes from um, uh, Queensland and South Australia, I should say. 40% of the power comes from um, rooftop solar. 40%. <laughs> um, so uh, that's a lot, actually. Um, and recently, I think, um, in South Australia, the entire um, grid was supplied by DERs from rooftop solar. So it was not from, for like five minutes or something like that, there was um, a milestone that it was the first time. In fact, uh, the um, the, um, um, the 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 um, uh, the wholesale market was uh, trading uh, with negative prices, like happens sometimes in California, because the rooftop solar panels were um, were putting out more power than um, uh, than the uh, than needed to be bought. So they would actually pay you to, <laughs> to take the power. Um, but um, uh, but um, so um, so that, so Australia is a really good place to do this. They also have um they're not completely deregulated like Texas, but they have a fairly uh, they have a, a different sort of regulatory regime. Um, it's a lot more collaborative and um, uh, it's more um, um, favorable for these kinds of DER experiments. So they're also, they're, like in California, the um, uh, retail cost of uh, electricity is, uh, is really high. So um, it makes sense to put on rooftop solar, which is a lot of reason why a lot of people do it. Um, the other interesting thing that... Um, that Energy Web has done, which isn't uh, actually a, a, um, a transactive energy project, is they have this flex alert system they're doing for Kaiso, which is basically um, every summer, you know, the grid starts to get under stress and the price of wholesale power goes up to like 150 bucks a megawatt hour or something. And Kaiso sends out this alert, you know, please reduce your power. And you know they don't really know if anybody is, you know, listening or not. Uh, so, um, so what they did is they um, they have they had Energy Web build this app. It's a cell phone app, 
and um, it's connected up to the to Energy Web's blockchain, and um, they can uh, you know they can tell from that if you decide you want to reduce your power, you just sign in there and um, you actually say you'll do it, and then they can find out how much um, how much power is conserved. Now, of course, the problem with this is the person doing the reduction doesn't. It's not like um, demand response where the person given the reduction signs up for a program and they get compensated for reducing their their energy. This is simply voluntary. And um, it's. I think it's probably not going to scale very much. I don't know that people, I mean, most people really don't want to pay that much attention to their electricity use um, with the exception of, you know, if you, people who are nerds about it like me <laughs> and uh, if you get compensated for it. Um, so um, I think probably this will evolve at some point into something where there's some compensation for it and, Perhaps as part of the uh, FERC order two 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 two, they'll um, they'll actually um, uh, you know modify it to to make it be uh, uh, compensated. Um, so that's about all I've got on on the international stuff. Um, I would say that you know we we also have um, IEEE competition we're running for um, proposals. So basically. Um, this is a proposal for a blockchain energy um, project. Uh, the project team, um, there's a form. The, unfortunately, the deadline for the 2021 uh, proposals are, are now passed. But in 2021, we were focusing st strictly on um, deployed, um, well, not deployed, but let's say uh, implemented um, uh, projects where um, the, the, the project team had a, a demo that they could show. Um, I think that's um, that's kind of it's a, it's a bit restrictive, but I, we wanted to be basically get get out of the starting date with some uh, some you know large uh, large footprint, uh, and um, we have uh, we got uh, seven proposals before the deadline. Um, we're now in the process of assessing them, and uh, by the fifteenth of December, we are hope to have a list of uh, which ones are going to get funded. Um, next year uh, in two thousand twenty one, we're going to run the same competition. We have more funds available from the um, uh, Future Directions Committee, uh, so we can uh, we can select more proposals. We're also going to have a uh, separate category of proposals, which is um, for um, these are for um, projects which are just in the proposal. They haven't been funded yet or implemented, uh, so they'll be we'll, we'll have the existing um, uh, category, which is demo proposals or proposals that are currently deployed in prototype phase or something like that. Um, and the other um, the other category will be uh, proposals which are just in the process of being written. Yeah. Um, and um, the second one will be funded at a lower level and the intent of the funding is that uh, the, uh, the team will use it to complete the proposal and do their research and then um, we'll submit it to like um, uh, DOE or um, the uh, California Energy Authority uh, and um, to get uh, CEC California Energy Commission uh, to get funded uh, for for the actual uh, implementation of the proposal. Um, so we'll see what'll happen. And next year we also would like to expand out our um, our um, uh, group of um, uh, teams so that we get more from utilities. Uh, this year we've got mostly from startups. Um, a couple of you, one large utility um, in China, uh, but most of it is. Um, uh, is is has been uh, more uh, larger, uh, smaller companies, and not not larger companies. So, um, so that's that's kind of where we're at. Um, 
Yeah. So let's uh, yeah. just a couple minutes left there. I want to go back over to three. Is there anything you wanted to add? I know we kind of gave you the first run and then uh, anything once you heard James that uh, you wanted to accent. No, I think J James covered, you know, pretty well because uh, this, 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 it, the number of pilots or even the quality of these pilots or experiments have increased quite a bit as compared to 2017. Or if you look at publications and the work, that came in 2017, 18 areas compared to right now. Right now, you know, people are, uh, you know, as, as they're approaching these experiments, they're looking at what, what's the long-term viability. So uh, it's it's good that the, the thought process and the use cases are evolving. And it is also important to note that the technology is changing. Blockchain, a lot of blockchains right now, if you look at Fabric, if you look at how Ethereum is changing and even other uh, private blockchains, they they're very different than what we saw in 2016, 15, and 17, right? So we got all we got to keep all of that in mind, kind of see how how that will not disrupt our use cases in the future. So yeah, well, thanks uh, for both of you for joining today. Um, it's been a, a great discussion, or more of a I'm just sitting back absorbing from you two, let me tell you. Um, but thanks for joining us today. And uh, kind of in closing, how would somebody jump in, get involved, contact uh, your efforts? Um, yeah, I would say that um, you should contact the IEEE um, blockchain uh, initiative. Uh, so the IEEE has two different energy-related blockchain um, efforts. So one is the standardization group, uh, 2418.5 which has been running since the spring and the other is the blockchain uh, transactive energy blockchain um, initiative, which has been running since roughly the end of 2019. Um, and um, so uh, I think that um, if it depends on what sort of work you like to do, the, um, the initiative is more near term focused and actually getting, um, like I was saying, getting proposals out there uh, and more focused on um, solid kind of uh, architecture which is uh, which people are actually implementing um the um the standardization is more long-term focused more sort of theoretical architecture and um sort of what uh, planning for the future so getting kind of a general framework for uh for blockchain in energy and the um uh the standardization group also covers other sorts of energy uh, than um electricity uh although we you know up until now mostly what's been discussed has been electricity uh so yeah. all right well thanks for joining today on new cyber frontier we hope you have enjoyed this episode of new cyber frontier remember to get involved often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at New Cyber Frontier.